everyone, Siobhan Chapman here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation primarily focuses on the September FOMC minutes and the corporate earnings season. Joining us for the conversation today, I'm glad to welcome back Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Matt, welcome. We're happy to have you. Hey, good morning, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get started. So it has been a challenging couple of months for equity investors, though this week we witnessed a bit of a reversal to the upside. What factors have been driving this momentum? Yes, it has been a challenging few months. So let's break it down quickly before we dive into the factors that have been driving the momentum to the upside recently. So if we go back to the end of July, this is when the S&P 500 peaked this year, close to 4,600. And since then, stocks are down by about 5%. And this has really been in large part due to the rise in interest rates. So if we look at the 10-year Treasury yield as an example, since the end of July through the end of last week, the yield rose by more than 80 basis points to 4.8%. A few other factors that contributed as well also included the higher than normal risk of a government shutdown that weighed on investor sentiment, strikes across a few industries, and fears that consumer spending may be heavily impacted by the resumption of student loan repayments and the increase in oil prices. Now, back to your original question, Shabana, about what has driven the recent upside. So if we turn back to about two weeks ago from today, there have been some encouraging data points on the economic front. Uh, we got recent revisions to household savings, which showed that consumer balance sheets are in better shape than previously thought. Uh, earlier last week, the ISM manufacturing index continued to tick upward and is nearly back in expansionary territory. Uh, and last Friday's job market report showed strong non-farm payroll growth and reinforcement of the steadily improving labor force participation rate and an unchanged unemployment rate at historically low levels. Additionally, and I'll dive a bit deeper into this a little later, but recent commentary from FOMC members suggested the Fed would proceed carefully when taking into consideration any further Fed rate hikes and that the surge in yields we've been seeing recently could already be doing some of the tightening work for them. And finally, sentiment did turn somewhat cautiously last week alongside the pullback in valuations. So uh, there has been some dry powder on the sidelines, which can be incrementally deployed back into markets as long as the outlook for corporate profits continues to improve. So as we head into quarter three corporate earnings season, what are your expectations? Yeah, so today is essentially the start of the third quarter earnings season, with a few of the big banks having reported already this morning. And given that the healthy economic and labor market activity throughout the quarter, we believe this earnings season will be pretty good. We are expecting S&P 500 earnings per share growth of roughly 3 to 4% this quarter, which would be about a 3% relative beat to the consensus estimate. And if this does end up coming to fruition, it would be a return to profit growth for the first time in three quarters. Now, why was profit growth negative during the last several quarters? And to answer this question, it's important to understand that S&P 500 profits are more heavily weighted to goods rather than services, which isn't the case for GDP. So the shift away from goods consumption in 2022 was a big drag on profits. But with the goods recession now looking fairly long stretch, this will likely weigh less on profit growth going forward. Additionally, we are seeing a large chunk of the earnings improvement being driven by the seven largest growth stocks, which are expected to post earnings per share growth of more than 30% compared to a modest decline in earnings for the other 493 S&P companies. But 
Despite this discrepancy, the underlying earnings trends for companies are still improving. The growth rate for the median company in the S&P 500 should be in the mid-single digits, and on a net basis, analysts are modestly upgrading forward estimates, which has driven an increase in the next 12-month S&P 500 earnings per share estimate to an all-time high. So bottom lining everything, we should get a pretty good set of results this earnings season, and we are reiterating our 2023 S&P 500 earnings per share estimate of $220 and 2024 estimate of $240 per share. So, Matt, I want to take a look back at earlier this week. We received the September FOMC minutes. Any notable takeaways from the language? Right. So this week, we did get the minutes from the September FOMC meeting. And from our perspective, there were a few notable takeaways. First, almost all participants believe that keeping the Fed funds rate unchanged was appropriate and that incoming data over the coming months would help clarify the extent of additional tightening needed to return inflation to their 2% target. Second, participants stressed that current inflation remained unacceptably high while acknowledging that it had moderated somewhat over the past year, and they also noted that further evidence would be required for them to be confident that inflation is clearly on the path to the committee's 2% objective. And third, participants continue to be of the view that a period of subtrend growth and some softening in labor market conditions would likely be needed to bring aggregate demand and supply into better balance and reduce inflation pressure sufficiently to return inflation to their target. Interestingly, though, earlier this week, we did hear from a number of FOMC participants who noted that the recent rise in yields could do some of the tightening work for them, which would allow the committee to proceed carefully in assessing the future path for monetary policy. Now, following the minutes on Wednesday, we did get the September CPI reading yesterday, which came in slightly above consensus forecast and keeps the possibility of a rate hike alive at the upcoming FOMC meeting, but with a number of downside risks for the Fed to consider, including a potential government shutdown, the resumption of student loan payments, and the Israel-Hamas war, our base case remains that the Fed will not raise rates any further. So, Matt, we are coming to the end of our time together. As we turn to next week, what will be taking place that investors should be mindful of? Yes. So turning to next week, we have a pretty busy economic calendar, and the third quarter earnings season will really start to ramp up. So starting on Monday, we'll receive the October Empire State Manufacturing Index reading, which is expected to be relatively flat. Uh, Turning to Tuesday, retail sales for September are expected to remain in positive territory, but the growth rate is likely to cool. Uh, Industrial and manufacturing production for September are both expected to see negative growth on a month-over-month basis after positive readings in August. And consensus is forecasting a relatively unchanged reading for the October NAHB housing market index. Moving on to Wednesday, some more housing market data with the preliminary September reading for building permits and housing starts. And wrapping up on Thursday, a final housing-related data point for the week with the September reading for existing home sales. We'll also receive the weekly initial and continuing jobless claims numbers, which continue to come in at relatively low levels. And finally, the Philadelphia Fed Index reading for October will provide us with additional manufacturing-related insights. Now, if we look at the earnings calendar for next week, about 12% of the S&P 500 market cap will report with a lot of attention on the big banks early in the week. But as the week progresses, we'll start to hear from some of the largest companies across a wide range of sectors, including Lockheed Martin, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Tesla, and Netflix, just to name a few companies. Okay, perfect. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thanks, Siobhan, and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, Matt. Again, today we have been joined by Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as UBS training video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.